0: Because it's getting ready
1: to be on. Welcome gangsters. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been... You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. It's a faith-based sports radio program.
0: Quiet numbskulls, I'm broadcasting.
1: I'm not certain that that format is ever going to work.
0: I have a high moral standard. I love you guys, love the program. You're already
1: famous in Rochester, the watch out world. Think it is time to demonstrate the full power of this station. We would be honored if you would join. Good morning and welcome to the Benson and Nose Guys program. Benson and Nose Guys is brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Speaking of Town and Country Pest Solutions, I am telling, I don't know, I don't know what it is about the weather, but the, the rain that we had here in the Rochester area last weekend, from that moment on, there have been more bees than I, I don't know where they're all coming from. I don't know where they were. I've seen a couple of bees out here and there, but man, they are out and in, well, I don't know what I'm
2: trying to say. See, in my house, it's spiders. I've seen several black spiders like the size of Matchbox cars. And I'm arachnophobic, so it's I'm getting ready to call them pretty soon. Yeah,
1: well, TownAndCountryPestSolutions.com, give them a call. They fear nothing but God. But I have a theory when it comes to insects, spiders. If it's got more than four legs, it really doesn't need to be alive. Just Just kill it. I think it's got more than two legs, but that might be a little (laughs) little much. We're glad you're with us. We're going to talk sports for the next hour, and when we do, we're going to talk about it from a faith-based perspective. Benson and those guys is unlike other sports talk shows. We know you're going to hear some views and opinions that you're not going to find anywhere else. You can find out more about myself and about those guys. Visit our website, btgprogram.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at btgprogram. Wear them while you can. New Adidas spokesman James Harden of the Houston Rockets spotted this week wearing Air Jordans, which of course are owned by rival Nike. The president of Adidas said that said when asked whether Harden will have to stop wearing his Air Jordans in public, that's part of the deal. So, yeah, however, the deal does not officially commence until October 1st. So there's still a little time left for Harden to bounce around in his old kicks. Harden left nike get this 13 year 200 million dollar deal with adidas and he's bouncing around in his air jordans if you're gonna
2: pay me that much money
1: i'll wear fluffy bunny slippers if that's what you're selling exactly even if the deal doesn't start for a few weeks isn't this a bad look man you are the spokesman for the company what are you doing with the nikes on I'm not sure about you. If I was given $200 million, it doesn't matter when the deal started. You won't find any of my own, my old gear in the closet. It's gone. It's at goodwill. It's in the, it's out. Absolutely. Good. Well placed. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. <laughs> Rookie Ronde Hollis Jefferson signed a $1.3 million contract with the Brooklyn Nets. Yet says he had to take on two roommates to avoid blowing his $1.3 million rookie salary on a place to stay. He called rents in the New York City area ridiculous. He says you can live in a nice three bedroom condo with all that in Dallas for like 2000 bucks. Three bedroom, three bathroom in New York. You're paying eight grand. It's ridiculous. He's been all over the news. You've probably seen the story. People sort of at him, saying he makes more than enough. He should be able to pay the rent. But I kind of respect the guy for not wanting to waste his money. I mean, it's cool. He's, he's, he's currently living with his brother. He's living uh, with his brother and a friend in Jersey. Why do people feel the need to decide for him what he can or cannot afford? And I, I like it. I think it's refreshing to see an athlete
2: not wasting their money. But I think we're seeing more and more stories like this as time goes on. Did you see this week the report that Kirk Cousins drives his grandparents van?
1: Yeah. So what? You make all kinds of money. You put some of it away. Be a good steward of it. People mind your own business. Don't tell, don't tell them how to. I mean, think of the math. Eight grand. If that, if that's what he's saying, 12 months, that's $96,000 a year. That's a lot of jack. There's a lot of money when, when you're on the road for a good portion of the year. Why? Why would you want to spay that man? If you can, I'm sure he's not crashing on his brother's couch. I I don't know. Right. I don't know the crib that he's got, but I'm sure he's not crashing on his brother's couch. Hollis Jefferson, by the way, is, is not the first one to say this about New York. Remember, a couple years ago, you remember Jimmy McMillan? He found founded the political party called, excuse me, but it's the name of the party, the Rent Is Too Damn High Party, which just happens to be headquartered in Brooklyn, New York the rent is just too high how great is the u.s open tournament it's awesome i'll answer my own question thank you very much but it's okay good because i haven't seen any of it i i you missed it i love wimbledon but as far as 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 stuffy and pale white as wimbledon is (laughs) the u.s open is loud it's colorful it's in your face it defines what made america great and it reflects the unique personality of its home in New York City. I'm sorry. But if we're talking about tennis grand slams, there's only two that matter, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Nobody cares about the French or the Australian. Sorry, that's just the way it is. In the men, in the men's singles, you had two of the greatest players in the Open era. You had number one, Novak Djokovic, and number two, Roger Federer. I mean, you had number one and number two. How good is that? And when Djokovic won his second U.S. Open, this was his 10th Grand Slam event, it was as if all the news coverage had left. They they were gone. There was so much hype surrounding Serena Williams that when she lost, the air just seemed to completely go out of the building. Everyone moved on to something else. Serena was going for a Grand Grand Slam sweep in the calendar year, and she fell just two matches shy. By the way... As far as dominating your sport, does anybody dominate their sport the way Serena Williams does? She's awesome. Like her, hate her, doesn't matter. You got to acknowledge how dominant she is. But she lost to Roberta Vinci. Who? Yeah, right. Exactly I've never heard of her. right. Roberta Vinci, an unseated 32 year old who'd never even made a slam semi before, shocked everybody. When she beat Williams in fact before this Vinci had never even won five games in any single set against Serena and talk about a mic drop moment just boom I'm out after Flavia Panetta had won the women's singles title during what appeared to be a routine encore interview you know after you win they go out there and they interview you immediately after she just won She just won the singles title and the 33 year old Panetta announced she's retiring after 15 years on the tour. I won, I'm out. How good is that? After winning her first Grand Slam singles title, and of course the three plus million dollar check that goes along with it, she's out. What Better way to go out, win your first championship, I'm out, I'm good. I'd love to be able to retire at 33 years old, wouldn't that be great? And that wasn't it when it comes to the U.S. Open. Martina Hingis, you remember her? Of course you do. Mm -hmm. She spent 200 or 209 weeks, Hingis did as the number one player in the world. That's over four years as the number one player. She's won five Grand Slam events. Hingis in this past U.S. Open that just completed this past week won in both the women's doubles and mixed doubles championship. The most dominant at one time, the most dominant female player in the world. She's now established herself as one of, if not the most dominant doubles player in the world. With all due respect to the Brits, it just doesn't get any better than the U.S. Open. That, that was a party. Did you see the pictures of Jason Pierre-Paul's hand? Oh my gosh, it looks like a Halloween decoration. It is a mangled claw. It's a mess. I would think most of our, 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 our audience is probably aware that JPP blew up his hand in a July 4th fireworks accident. Coincidentally, by the way, not the only NFL player to do so. CJ Wilson of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also lost two fingers in a similar accident. I'm not here to make fun of Jason Pierre Paul. I've heard all the jokes, and frankly, yes, it was a foolish thing, but who hasn't done foolish things? The guy's 26 years old. At that age, he probably still feels invincible, right? Isn't that, you're 25, or 26, you feel pretty good.
2: He's got a contract for almost 15 million just waiting for his signature. It was foolish.
1: There's no doubt about it, but we've all done foolish things. I don't think you, you laugh at him over it. The thing that magnifies the degree of foolishness is that he's in a contract stare down with the New York Giants. They've offered him almost 14 million dollar tender offer in the offseason and he has not signed it. But then, then the whole cat and mouse game he played with the Giants after the injury. That was just weird. See, if I'm Jason Pierre Paul, I would be rushing to sign
2: that contract as soon as possible because it's looking like he may not play this year. So, wouldn't you rather make that 14 point whatever million to not play as opposed to not making
1: it and then trying to get someone to sign you to a free agent deal okay. when you're missing fingers? This whole thing was mishandled from the beginning. The Giants want to go down and see him. He doesn't let them see them. He, he's not, they can't, you can't see one of your best defensive players he's hiding i mean that tells you right there everything you know about need to know about the degree of seriousness of this accident yeah. when he's not even letting the team he's refusing to let them in the hospital what else do you need to know why would you conceal the injury the giants tried but were denied the opportunity to visit him as it turned out jpp needed to have the index finger on his right hand amputated he also suffered a fractured thumb needed skin grafts, and in addition to the index finger, is missing a significant portion of the thumb, Mm -hmm. and I can't really see in the picture the middle finger is all wrapped up. He just had that operated on. But, I mean, it's been... Over
2: two months since the incident. So if he's getting another operation on that finger, it can't be in good shape. Right.
1: He didn't meet, end up meeting with the Giants until September 7th. That's the first time he met with the Giants and finally allowed the medical personnel to examine his hand for the first time since the accident. That's August. That's two months. Two months after it happens, your team is finally getting your employer is finally getting the checkup. The whole thing is crazy. Uh, Reportedly, he volunteered to play. If the Giants could figure out a way to protect the hand, but they're not satisfied he can play. They're not thinking he is. So he went home, and they agreed to meet again in a few weeks. And at this point,
2: it's 2015. Can't we just give him a Luke Skywalker robot hand and call it good? <laughs>
1: he shared a video on Instagram showing himself work out, but the the video didn't give you a good look at his hand. And, and then now those pictures circulating. I'm not sure where it originated. I first saw it in the New York Daily News. Mm-hmm. The hand is, it, it's just a mangled claw. It's gross. Now, he believes he can play. He tweeted on Thursday that I can't think of the last time my index finger got me a sack. And I guess it's not going to be anytime soon because the <laughs> digit's missing. <laughs> uh, if you flip that around, I can't remember the
2: last time somebody with three fingers sacked a quarterback either. So The index finger,
1: it, it seems, now I'm sure he can play, but the question is at what level? It might keep him from getting any holding penalties called. <laughs> that's cold, <laughs> but you rely on that if you're grasping, and I know these guys play with those clubs, and I don't know how they do it, but I'm sure he can play, but in the Giants defense, what they're looking at is can you play at the level that warrants what is an eight hundred and seventy thousand dollar per week contract mm-hmm. eight hundred and seventy one plus thousand dollars That's huge if he doesn't if he and the giants don't reach an agreement by November 17th, season's over, he's a free agent, which is what he wants, which is what he wants and and at this point if you're the giants, see ya baby, have a nice career. Coming up later in the program, we're going to talk with Mark Porpilia. Mark is the he's with Hockey Ministries International. He's a chaplain with a number of hockey teams including two schools the buffalo sabers the rochester americans we're going to get his perspective on some of the debates going on about schools and chaplains should public universities have chaplains we're also going to talk about week one in the nfl the classic overreactions you're listening to benson and those guys brought to you by town and country pest solutions
3: title sponsor of benson and those guys is town and country pest solutions the warm weather is here to stay but so are those pesky critters bees are beginning to build their hives Ants are driving everyone nuts and spiders seem to be popping up in every corner of the house but thanks to town and country pest solutions these nuisances can be no more if you have a serious problem that needs to be controlled give them a call i'm not just advertising for them i am a customer and believe me they have the solution for any pest problem I've mentioned it before, and it's still true. They have been in business for over 25 years, and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. The movie Captive is a powerful true story of faith over fear. Police looking for Brian Nichols. A man on the run.
0: You scream again and I will have to kill you. A woman held captive.
3: My name is Ashley. In
0: your darkest
3: hour, who will you turn to? God, please help me. What is that? The book, The Purpose Driven Life. Read it to me. God expects you to make the most of what you have been given. Can you forgive me? I don't know. Maybe God
1: can. Captive. PG 13 may be inappropriate for children under 13. For group sales and tickets, visit captivethemovie.com. Welcome back to Benson and Those Guys. The show's brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Was it just me, or did it seem odd to you? Congratulations, by the way, David Ortiz, 500 home runs. That That's great. But did it seem odd to you that Fenway Park had this count-up? I think it was in left center, kind of above where they have that bullpen out there. They had this count-up, and I don't know where they started it. Maybe 490, maybe 480, up. Uh, I Have no idea, but the last few times that I've seen him hit a home run, they show the highlights. They sh- well, they they count it up. Five hundred is is a nice number, very nice number. Mm-hmm. It's not a record. Why are you counting up? I don't I don't remember the Yankees doing that for Jeter, and this is it. I I don't want to sound like a Yankee Red Sox hater. That's not the case. I'm just I thought it was odd. Am I the only one who thought that? No, I thought so too because you don't see it a lot.
2: You know, I mean, well, first of all, you don't see a lot of guys hit 500 home runs, but you don't see a lot of teams. And maybe if the Red Sox were winning games and they had something else to be excited about, maybe this isn't. Maybe that's just something to keep fans involved. But it was. You're right. It was weird because you, we've seen a lot of milestones approached and broken recently, and you
1: haven't really seen a lot of those countdowns. Yeah, I just thought, and even now, to 500 is no longer. A guaranteed 500 now is not what 500 once was is it automatic right. into the hall of fame it used to be i'm not so sure it is anymore if it, you know it, it's a nice number but it's not the same number that it once was but you just said something very interesting you see the red sox have nothing to play for the you know this is what they got excited about ortiz chasing 500 i got a text j- yesterday i think it was I got a text from a friend, a pastor friend here in the Rochester area. Oh, I know who this is. Oh, you know what he says to me? He says, I'm hoping the Jays or the Red Sox lay down for the Jays this weekend. Here's a Red Sox fan, a Red Sox honk, saying he hopes his team lays down against the Jays for the sole purpose of seeing the Yankees suffer as a result. Yankees obviously trying to gain ground on the on the Rays. And what dawns on me is it's still not changed. The Red Sox have won a couple of World Series here in the last several years. The 86-year curse is gone. It's a thing of the past now. But yet they still are more consumed, Red Sox fans are, with what the Yankees are doing than with what their own team. I don't know of any Yankee fan that would want their team to lay down for anybody. For any reason. I couldn't care any less about the Red Sox. I'm more concerned about the Yankees winning. Yet Red Sox fan after Red Sox fan after Red Sox fan is more concerned about what the Yankees are doing than what their own team is doing. Remember when the Red Sox started to turn it around
2: in the mid-2000s and won those World Series, and they were saying, it was in papers, it was in magazines, people were saying, this is a team that's built to beat the Yankees. That's all they can. And I was about. like, you know, there's like, you know, 29 other teams, right?
1: Like the, I am convinced that the Red Sox could go for the sake of the math, 20 wins and 142 losses. But if those 20 wins came against the Yankees, it's a, success. Be, it's a successful man. We swept the Yankees. We won 20 games this year. I, I just don't understand that, that line of thought. I don't either. You know, in this age of sensitivity and political correctness, there's not only a slow eroding of traditional moral values in America, but in my opinion, there's a full-on attack on biblical principles. Recently, an atheist group called the Freedom From Religion Foundation sent a letter to the football programs of a number of public universities, many of them SEC schools, demanding that they get rid of their team chaplains and abolish the chaplaincy program. The group claims that it is a violation of First Amendment rights and that the schools are essentially supporting a particular faith, in this case Christianity, by allowing chaplains unique access to the team, which in turn provides them opportunities to convert the players. The letter, which was written to Auburn University, said that the current policies fail to protect your student-athletes' right of conscience and post a high degree of risk of discrimination. Of course, we're not talking about young elementary kids here. Not that having a chaplain around our schools would seem to me such a, such a bad idea, but these aren't elementary kids. These are, these are young adults. Adults who, if they opted, could serve in the military and go to war. Adults who can make decisions regarding alcohol usage, sexual situations, what to eat, what to drink. Adults who are responsible enough to be on their own. You mean that these same adults cannot make up their mind when it comes to faith? Which, by the way, it's not being forced on them. They have the option to engage or to not engage. That same letter written to Auburn says that the chaplain, Reverend Chet Williams, can be seen patrolling the sidelines and praying with players. Oh, my word. The Freedom From Religion Foundation claims that the chaplain, in Georgia's case, is given an office at the stadium, as well as two season tickets. These are claims which the university says are not true. An attorney for the foundation says that if the team wants to worship, they want to get together on their own and have their own organized worship, that's totally fine. We don't have any problem with that. We don't have any problem with them praying in whatever way they see fit. What we have a problem with is the top-down imposition of religion. And if you believe that, then I'd like to talk to you, because i got some oceanfront property in Arizona that I think you'd be interested in buying. I don't believe that for a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, what I am suggesting to you is that if they are talking about Jesus, they will want to shut it down. The chaplains are there as a service to the students. It's not a requirement for the students. It's not anything they have to do. Listen, when you're competing on these levels, the amount of time invested is intense. Normalcy, especially in terms of scheduling, goes right out the window. You just can't, in every situation, hey, let's all go to church together. It doesn't work that way. You might not have those opportunities. In some cases, you do, but not in all. Additionally, the degree of emotions is unlike what regular people, what you and I really understand. I've talked to many, many athletes, and when they say they leave everything on the field, they do exactly that, and many of those players want that spiritual support there for balance, for perspective. It's nothing new, that prayer is part of competition. Any athlete or any person who has a real faith in Christ makes that faith part of who they are and part of everything they do. It's not limited to Sunday morning. It's also part of Tuesday afternoon. It's part of Thursday evening. Teams are willing to give athletes whatever necessary, whether they believe it or not, to keep that athlete's mind centered and focused. You better believe that if an athlete who is being paid a large sum of money, whether that be in the form of a paycheck or a scholarship, If that athlete believes that rubbing a live frog's head prior to the game is the key to his success, then teams are going to make sure there's a live frog available for the rubbing. And by the way, that's how each of us who call ourselves believers ought to conduct ourselves. If you have a faith in Christ, it ought to be your identity, a part of who you are, and a part of everything you do. It ought not be limited to Sunday morning, but should be a part of every day. The Freedom From Religion Foundation says that chaplains should be explicably prohibited from promoting a particular religious viewpoint, pressuring student-athletes to choose religion over non-religion, or directly or indirectly, coercing student-athletes to participate in any type of religious activity. Now, there's the lawyer in it. They can say they have no problem with a team worshiping in any way that it wants, They'll even say you can have your chaplain, but they cannot promote a particular viewpoint. They know darn well that any believer, any chaplain worth their salt, isn't going to promote, isn't going to not promote, I should say, their views on faith. Now, they're not going to pressure, they're not going to coerce, but they will definitely share. And by the way, if you're sharing Christ, you can't pressure or coerce somebody. Faith is not something that can be forced, pressured, coerced on another. It's something that begins to make sense to you. When the Holy Spirit touches your heart, you make a choice for yourself, and no amount of pressure in the world can make salvation real. People, I don't often get all doomsday or take the sky is falling attitude, but Christianity is under attack today, and believers need to wake up, band together, or we will find ourselves being fed to the lions once again. I'm not inviting martyrdom. I'm not asking for it, but I'm not naive either. I'm not naive that it exists not just in other parts of the world, but it exists here in America, and it is fast becoming mainstream. In Bremerton, Washington, there's a football coach by the name of Joe Kennedy who's under investigation by his school district. He's under investigation for praying after high school football games. The school district says its policy is that school staff shall neither encourage nor discourage students from praying. Perhaps you've seen the story on Facebook. Kennedy is an assistant coach on Vars- on Bremerton's varsity team. He's also the head coach of the junior varsity team. And he says he always prays after games on the 50-yard line. He says sometimes he's alone and sometimes players join in. Kennedy's been doing the post-game prayers for a number of years without issue. The prayer he offered after a game earlier this week lasted only about 13 seconds. He said, Lord, I just want to lift up all these warriors that came out here to compete today. I don't care what their beliefs are. We do believe in this sport. We believe in football. We believe in a team and competition. It's all about the game. In your name, amen. Now, I have no idea if this is a typical prayer or perhaps one that's been adapted uh, with the concept of keeping everybody happy. But to me, this is pretty watered down. This is nothing to get offended about. No offense to Coach Kennedy. I mean, I'm behind you, man, but the only thing offensive about that prayer is how weak it is. Other than the title of Lord, it really isn't much of a prayer, if you ask me. First off, I never liked the term warrior for an athlete. The men and women of our military, they're warriors. Athletes are competitors. Although after 20 years in the in the Marines, Mr. Kennedy was, and probably still is, a warrior. Far be it for me to question him about what is or what is not a warrior, but it's just one of those little things that, that's always sort of frosted my fanny. But what is offensive about we believe in this sport, we believe in football, we believe in a team in competition? I mean, what are you getting excited about there? I'm not even sure who he's calling Lord. The prayer is concluded in your name. Whose name? Who's, who is your? For all I know, he's referring to the school's AD. For crying out loud, man, if you're going to pray, use the name. In Jesus' name, make your prayer. There's something about the name of Jesus that just makes people stir. Whether they go out of their way to avoid it, go out of their way to condemn it, or go out of their way to praise it, there's just something about invoking the name of Jesus. John 14:13 says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's power in that name. We go to God in Jesus' name, not our own. And don't miss the end of that verse, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That should always be our purpose. It was Jesus' desire, and when we pray in his name, it says we too have that same desire, that the Father may be glorified. Now, officially, it's not certain what brought about the district's investigation. But obviously, it's a result of a complaint or a concern, and fans at the game, and my sister's a teacher out there, my family lives in the Bremerton area, and there's been a lot of talk about the separation of church and state. Man, I am so tired of this debate. The attack on religious freedom is real, so much so that even Christians are sort of duped into believing that separation of church and state is a thing. That phrase is not part of the Constitution. The First Amendment of the Constitution says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or of the right of the people, peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's it. It's pretty simple. It just says that the government cannot make a law that establishes any particular religion and force it upon its people. You know where the phrase actually comes from? And I just found this out this week. The phrase comes from a letter which Thomas Jefferson wrote in response to a church in Connecticut shortly after he took office as president. The church was concerned that their ability to freely practice religion would be infringed upon because they were the minority religion in their state. Jefferson assured them in a letter back that their right to freely practice religion was natural and was not a state-given privilege. He assured them that the government would not interfere with religious matters. Not the other way around. The idea of separation of church and state is not to keep religion out of government. It's to keep government out of religion. That said, Employers, too, have certain rights to place restrictions or make requests of employees that are uh, conditional to the job. If you want the job, here's, here's the requirements. These are things that the Bremerton School District, Coach Kennedy, and I'm sure many other, many other places and people will have to figure out. That can be a matter for another time. But based on those clarifications, Coach Kennedy can decide for himself whether he wants the job or does not want the job. And it sure sounds that he's confident in his stance. He believes in what he's doing, and he's prepared for whatever may come. But fellow believers, I am saying that if things do not change in this great country of ours, each of us, like Coach Kennedy, may have to make similarly hard decisions regarding persecutions that may and likely will come our way. In the case of chaplains, providing guidance to players of any team, that's up to the players of that particular team. and interference from an organization such as the Freedom From Religion Foundation is unwarranted and outside the parameters established by the U.S. Constitution. But we live in a crazy time, my friends, where crazy things happen. And if you're not familiar, I suggest briefing yourself on eschatology. It's just a big word which deals with biblical prophecy, the end times. If Kennedy has done this for years, why the big deal now? Clearly, someone complained because they hate displays of faith. Why? Because they hate Jesus. This should not be a surprise. Jesus himself spoke of it. John 15:18. We mentioned this at the end of last week's show. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. There's just no good reason to hate Jesus. If you don't believe, then what difference does it make, and why do you even care? It certainly isn't hurting anybody. If you're not a believer, then then it really is no different than the whole team keeping a rabbit's foot in their locker, rubbing the fat coach's belly, touching a sign on their way out of the tunnel, or buzz-cutting their hair. It makes no difference. There's just no justifiable reason to hate on Jesus. However, however, if you acknowledge that he is who he says he is, as your hatred would seem to suggest that deep down you do acknowledge the truth, you're just not willing to subject yourself to it. If you acknowledge that he is who he says he is, then what you hate is that it also means that your sin is real, that it is exposed, and that you are accountable for it. It means that you do not know God as God. Romans one twenty eight says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. The following verses give a list of all sorts of ungodly and nasty things. A coach praying at midfield after a game or a chaplain praying with students or working with students of a football team, if you are not a believer, these things should be so insignificant to you. They should be like carrying a good luck charm. What difference does it really make? You don't believe in it anyway. But for those that hate it, the reason they hate it, that's what brings me to Romans chapter 1. They don't know God as God. In verse 30, it describes them as haters of God. There's a reason you hate it, because you don't acknowledge God. Your heart's not been changed. It's full of sin, and you're going to have to do something about that sin, whether you take care of it yourself or whether you give it to Jesus, who's already paid for it on the cross. For those whom it bothers, it acknowledges that deep down, they realize they're a sinner. A long segment, I know, a heavy tone. You tuned in for sports talk. But at the end of the day, this stuff is relevant. This is relevant to sports. It's relevant to the sports news of this past week. And it's important, maybe the most important. We're big boys and girls. We can handle this type of talk. Coming up, we're going to talk with Mark Popelia. Mark is with Hockey Ministries International and just happens to be the chaplain with two different schools. We're going to get his perspective, which I think you'll find interesting. Benson and Those Guys is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You'll be back right after this. Hey there, it's Benson. I want to invite you to join me this November in the Dominican Republic as part of SCORE International's annual baseball outreach. Your life will be impacted as you help with the daily baseball clinics and share the love of Jesus Christ, as well as delivering humanitarian assistance to the needful people of the Dominican Republic. This five-day missions trip departs from Rochester on Sunday, November 8th, returning Thursday, November 12th. Cost is $650 plus airfare, so you can expect the total to be somewhere around $1,200. And that price includes meals, lodging, ground transportation, and airport transfers. Past trips have featured participation from such men as New York Yankees greats Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit, former NL Rookie of the Year Chris Coghlan, Lou Pinella ian kennedy gary carter brett butler otis nixon and many others of course i don't know who will be on this year's trip we'll find out when we get there if you've wanted to experience the impact of a short-term missions trip this is a great opportunity if you're a baseball fan then it's an even better fit by the way dads it's a tremendous father-son opportunity that will provide memories for a lifetime consider coming along i know it'll be fun and i know you'll be blessed as you are ministered to while you serve the Lord on a foreign field during this short-term missions opportunity. Visit SCORE International at SCOREINTL.org, that's SCOREINTL.org, or contact me, Benson, through our website, btgprogram.com, for more information. Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. joining us once again is Mark Popilia, Mark is with Hockey Ministries International. He serves as the team chaplain to the Buffalo Sabres, the Rochester Americans, as well as both RIT and Nazareth College. Mark, welcome back to the program. Glad to have you with us. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Mark, we've been talking about the Freedom from Religion Foundation. They've sent letters to at least 15 universities asking them to abolish the chaplaincy positions amongst at least their football teams. Being a chaplain who serves two different schools are you surprised by that request, and did you ever wonder in the back of your mind if or when such an attack would come?
0: You know what? Actually, I'm not surprised, uh, just because sort of the spirit of the age and uh, where our country is heading, the direction that we're going. I'm surprised at why they want it uh, removed, because I think their their concerns are actually ill-founded. But the fact that they want it removed, and that that will probably continue... Uh, that actually doesn't surprise
1: me. The basis for the complaint is basically the chaplains are given a unique access to the team, which allows them an opportunity to try to convert non-Christians. Now, it would seem to me that most of your time would be spent working with those who already believe. I mean, of course, you're going to have some opportunity to evangelize, but do you have many non-Christians take part in your chapel services? Uh,
0: yeah, certainly it's uh, it's heavier on those who believe, but uh Quite frankly, I have everybody. I have people who are definitely believers. I have people who are not believers. I have people who are just uh you know another guy in in the chapel is their ride, so they're sitting in just to waste time. I have guys who are just curious. I have guys who don't know what they are. I have guys who are bored and guys who are seeking. I've got uh, really all across the board. But no, there. I mean, it, it, it's it's funny. I wish I wish this group could hang out with me for a little bit. And see how sort of irrelevant I am to the program. I mean, I really just sit off in a corner and just wait. You know, the guys know I'm there. And if they want to show up, they show up. But there's, uh, this, this sort of aggressive evangelism, uh, that they're also scared of, uh, that doesn't happen. The spirit of God works undercover, so to speak. I mean, he doesn't need the, uh, the flash or the attention and you never know what he's doing. But from, from a strictly like tangible point of view, I'm so irrelevant to these teams. It's just funny that they think like I'm. I got some sort of power over <laughs> these players. I got. I got nothing. I stand in a corner and hope somebody shows up. Uh, they're all nice. They're all. Everybody's very. You know, hey Mark, how's it going? Hey Mark, good to see you. You know, as they walk by me, I, you know, I'm to wherever they're going. Again, it's just. You know, this, oh, my gosh, I'm proselytizing and I'm converting. Oh, boy, I wish. Yeah. I I wish that what they were accusing me of was actually true, because that would be awesome.
1: Can you give us some background, Mark? What are some of the things a team chaplain does?
0: Well, you know what? Uh, I'm glad you said it that way, but I'm going to correct you. I'm not a team chaplain, and I I personally don't know any team chaplain. We are chaplains who provide chapel to the team. And so uh, the semantics is important. The uh the team the team has nothing to do with me or I have nothing to do with the team. If you were to call up my team and said, Hey, who's your chaplain? Uh they would probably say, What's a chaplain? number one, and we don't have one because I'm just a guy who supplies a service to those who are interested and I, I often say it it's like the guy who fills the Coke machine. Some people like the product, and so we go and fill the Coke machine, and if anybody's there and if they want it, then then they there. But uh, what I do is I uh, literally, I contact the team, I speak to the entire team, I tell them that this program is available, I see if anyone's interested. And there have been times when I've spoken to the team and said, I'll be here after practice, and I get there and nobody shows up. But if guys do show up and if they're interested, then we start. Then we just simply say, I say to the guy, which one of you will be my contact? And on your invitation, I'll show up. That particular player might say, Hey, you know, Tuesday after practice works. And so I'll show up Tuesday after practice. I will literally wait in the hallway and uh, just find a empty table, an empty locker room and, um, that particular player will, you know, just let the team know that I'm available. And I get one guy, I might get 15 guys. When they show up, yes, then we do go through a little uh, mini Bible study or sermon or looking at uh, the claims of God and um, ask, you know, any questions. They usually don't have any. And then I say goodbye. From there, sometimes players do have questions and then we take it offline and we go to Starbucks two days later or something and and then we can chat. What I do is I show up, have somebody there letting the the team know I'm around, and uh, then whoever shows, I do, you know, give them a little bit of, a little bit of God. And hopefully uh, I let the Holy Spirit take it from there.
1: Well, that is an important distinctive between being a team chaplain and a chaplain providing just a service to the team.
0: Exactly. I get nothing. I mean, I, and I I mean that. I mean, name it. I don't get it. I don't get tickets. I don't get I don't get paid. I don't get a parking pass. You know, I don't get a swipe card so I can get into the rink. I don't get. You name it. I don't get it. I'm just a guy that the leagues and uh, the NCAA has just simply said, hey, if the team wants you there, just like a again like a Coke vendor. Hey, if the team wants a Coke machine, let them have a Coke machine. If the team wants this uh, stranger given chapels. If they don't mind, then there you go. Uh, we're not associated with the team in any way, shape, or form.
1: And that's interesting that you don't get anything because some of the complaints involving some of these football programs allege that the schools are, quote-unquote, paying the chaplains in such a way as providing an office or complimentary right. game tickets. And, you know, so many of those games, they give away tickets for any number of different reasons because they're they're not sold out. Do you think these schools should go out of their way to not provide tickets or, or anything else for that matter to avoid the possibility of being viewed as improper benefits?
0: Personally, I don't think so, because if I understand the detractors of chapel, the opponents of chapel, they want freedom, and they don't want pressure on anybody to live a certain way or worship a certain way. And so if if there's true freedom, then I think the schools should be able to, like you said, give those tickets to whoever they want. And whether it's the local boys and girls clubs or the YMCA or the guy or girl who happens to be the chaplain, I don't think that's a problem. Because like you said, it it they, they are given away. And there is a certain amount of uh, tickets that are available. You know, now bu- buying the chaplain two season tickets, now that's a different story. If on this particular game or that particular game, Uh, the chaplain gets a free ticket, Uh, I I just don't see, you know, that we're we're beyond the realm of common sense if we start arguing that.
1: Have you ever been in a situation or perhaps you know of another team chaplain who was in a situation where someone actually objected or complained about their presence with the team?
0: Uh, Yes, I have. Uh, Not myself personally, but I do know of other chaplains, and it's unfortunately uh, when it has crossed the line. For instance, I never go in a locker room. Even when the team says, hey, come on in, I don't go. Uh, because I just say, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna stay out here. When I ever, whenever I have been in a locker room, it's been like after hours. It's been, you know, the one guy basically taking me on a tour, but I don't go in the locker room. I don't, I don't give a pregame speech. I don't give an aftergame speech. I'm, you know, we're totally, we're, we're separate. Uh, we're allowed to be there. Again, in my illustration, just like the Coke machine is allowed to be there. But we're not, uh, going in the room and, and if you will, being part of the team. When there's been friction, it's because people have been, they have, they've crossed that line and they've been in the locker room and they've been doing, um, chaplaincy, if you will, during work hours for these, for these athletes. And, um, I think that the, the chaplaincy should be, um, you know, when they're not at work. So like I said, I always do it after a practice. They're done, and they can go anywhere. And so the fact that we're in the rink, the building itself, is just a convenience, but it has nothing to do with the matters of the team.
1: If a team's roster had a number of players who were part of another faith, do you think most schools would be willing to bring in a faith leader of of that faith, or, or would they simply cut off access to everybody and force players to find support and worship opportunities on their own?
0: I think they would do the latter. I think they would just cancel it. I wish they would do the former. I have I'll say I'm not afraid of competition, so to speak. Uh yes, if there's somebody from a different faith that uh, would would prefer a, a different chaplain, I think that's great because especially at the elite levels, these teams, uh, the players are provided with so much, you know, tutors and nutritionists and dietitians and strength and conditioning coaches and uh, you know, different things. If a player wants to uh, utilize the nutritionist, well, then there's the availability, but they don't have to. So I would prefer that they would bring in multiple guys of different dates, but I think the reality is they would just punt and say, you know, you're all gone and figure it out on your own. Yeah,
1: I want to ask you another question. This has absolutely nothing to do with the topic we've been discussing, but Zach and I have been talking a lot about uh, the NHL deciding to put sponsorship ads on jerseys. Uh, strictly as a hockey fan, Mark, and, and someone who's been around the game for a great deal, do you like that idea of ads on jerseys to increase revenue?
0: Uh, personally, I don't. I, uh, I think it just looks, doesn't look good. Uh, I mean, I would even go back many years ago, uh, to the, to the blank dasher boards just to have the white boards, but now they're filled with, with ads and sometimes ads on the ice. And so I, I would imagine that the NHL probably will go that route as the European teams have done. I'm not a fan of it. It doesn't bother me, but I do think that, uh, if the NHL could, in a sense, have a different level, a different standard and, um, probably, I don't think they need to do that. Uh, I think that'd be better.
1: Mark, I want to thank you for coming on. Your perspective on this is great. You gave us a lot of good insight, um, good things to think about. With the new season coming up soon, is there anything we can keep in prayer for you?
0: You know what? I would just say uh, for favor, as I uh, I think of Daniel had uh, with the palace guard, you know, especially in light of the subject that we're talking about, maybe some of the people will be a little skittish to just have me around, uh, you know, not not wanting to rock the boat or not wanting to cause attention or something. So I would just I would just pray for for favor whatever that means if it's with the whole team if it's with a few guys if we meet at the rink if we meet off-site uh, none of that really matters those are just details but uh, it would be great if there were a need a personal need for uh, players or coaches or staff in these teams to just say you know what in, in spite of all this uh, this is important and uh, I need I need this so that's what I would pray for
1: that's Mark Porpelia. He's with Hockey Ministries International. And, Mark, thanks again for coming on with us. Thanks for having me. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the NFL week one, some of the overreactions, some of the maybe underreactions. You're listening to Benson and those guys brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions.
3: Title sponsor of Benson and those guys is Town & Country Pest Solutions. The warm weather is here to stay, but so are those pesky critters. Bees are beginning to build their hives, ants are driving everyone nuts, and spiders seem to be popping up in every corner of the house. Thanks to Town & Country Pest Solutions, these nuisances can be no more. If you have a serious problem that needs to be controlled, give them a call. I'm not just advertising for them. I am a customer, and believe me, they have the solution for any pest problem. I've mentioned it before, and it's still true. They have been in business for over 25 years, and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God.
2: McAfee's Remodeling is a full service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585 402 1070. That's 585 402 1070. Or visit them online at Remodeling.com
1: Welcome back to Benson and Those Guys. King football is back in the land. Week one is complete. We're into week two. But just take a look back and... There's always the classic overreactions in week 1. For instance, all I've heard all this week is about Peyton Manning and I understand that this show is going to air after the Thursday broadcast and we're uh, the Thursday game and we're we're recording this prior to that. But the arm strength of Peyton Manning, that the Broncos are going to be dead in the water without him and I think that's a bit of an overreaction. Listen, he's, he's, he's moving on 40 years old. He's not going to have the same arm strength that he once did. But he's a quality quarterback. He's going to find ways to win. He's very familiar with the NFL. Is it, that an overreaction?
2: I think the people that are really freaking out over it are overreacting. Because if, I mean, if you watch tape going back a few years... He hasn't been throwing lasers for a while. He was throwing ducks when they went to the
1: Super Bowl. Yeah, they didn't not score like an new. offensive touchdown in the game. But, you know, okay, so what? It was week one. There are 17 more weeks of – or there's 17 weeks of football. And they don't need him to be great. They can run the
2: football. They have a great defense. They'll be fine.
1: No, and for those of you saying all Peyton has to do is advance at 30 yards, so – Brandon McManus can kick it from any place on the field. <laughs> let's just remember. And great game for him, 56, 57-yard field goals. But you're playing in Denver where, mm-hmm. you know, very thin air. But the Buffalo Bills, um, big win over the Colts. I'm not taking anything away from the Bills. But let's slow down on, in our area, always the Bills, when they come out. After their, their Super Bowl, their Super Bowl bounce, slow down now. I, I think this is a good football team. I think that is a very stout defense, but... There's a lot of
2: really good teams in the way still. Let's wait till after the New England game at least to see what they do there. But they look good. They looked really good, and there really doesn't look like there's a, a weakness per se on this team. I mean, quarterback is maybe average. Offensive line is maybe average, but... Unlike so many past years of Bills teams, there's not a spot where you're like this team. This spot in the lineup is going to sink us, you know. You still,
1: Tyrod Taylor is a rookie quarterback. Played a great game. I I think he's going to be more than capable, but he's still a rookie quarterback. I wouldn't expect him as a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're right. That's I should have clarified that, but I don't expect him to lead the team to the Super Bowl just yet. If that team goes to the Super Bowl, it's going to be because of its defense, not oh, because, yeah. not because of a, a first year starting quarterback. Another classic overreaction is, of course, you had to set up for the first time you had number one quarterback taken in the draft against the number two quarterback taking the draft, which was kind of a cool situation, but the Titans blew the Buccaneers out of the water. The Buccaneers are not a good football team. They're a very bad football team. But I don't think that Marcus Mariota is the second coming of Bart Starr? Uh, no, 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 no.
2: But I also think I don't think Jameis Winston is the second coming of Jamarcus Russell either.
1: No, exactly right. They're each going to have their good days. They're going to have their bad days. Now Mariota shined in this game. He, um, he really looked good, clicking on all cylinders. But and Winston sort of stumbled a little bit. But I wouldn't expect the same thing every week and the vikings are another one they only put up three points against the niners Yeah, so much for the return of adrian peterson right yeah yeah you know but i heard a lot about that well he's not the same he had hesitation the guy hasn't played right you know he didn't play in the preseason either to think that the vikings i'm not ready to write them off they only scored three points they're going to be okay adrian peterson's going to be okay there's a lot of things that happen In week one, the Cowboys, every Cowboy fan on Facebook and calling in the talk shows has this team going to the Super Bowl. They beat the Giants. And let me tell you, as a Giants fan, this is a game that frustrated me. I wish they were getting blown out 45 to nothing by halftime. I could have gone to bed. Giants defense can't stop anybody. Their secondary is so banked up. They might be calling me to see if I can play. (laughs) They had no business winning this football game. And yet there they are late in the game in a position to win. I'm staying awake well past my bedtime. And then they give the way, the game the way they did. So conversely, does
2: that make you have any doubts about the Cowboys? If the Giants have no business winning this game, but they almost did,
1: does that make you worried about the Cowboys? I, I think Tony Romo is a terrific quarterback. He led a terrific drive down the field, but he did so against a, I think a poor defense. No, I don't have doubts against the Cowboys. I still think the Eagles are going to win that division. But I think the Cowboys are going to be a pretty good football team. But I'm not ready to put them in the Super Bowl because they beat the Giants like every Cowboy fan is doing already. Because that game kind of reminded me of Dolphins-Redskins.
2: But the Cowboys should have squished the Giants, but they let them hang around. And the Dolphins, everybody thought, there were people picking the Dolphins to finish second in the East And they really should have swept the floor with the Redskins, and they actually trailed the Redskins for a long time and only ended up beating them 17 to 10.
1: The Jets beating the Browns, 31 to 10. Uh, You got two bad football teams there, although you're pretty high in the Jets. You think they're going to finish above 500, if I remember right. You think everybody in that division is over 500. Jets are going to be 9 and 7. Man, I think that is very aggressive. Another overreaction to Seahawks losing to the Rams. Oh, the Seahawks are going to be fine.
2: The Rams weren't the Rams the only team in the last couple of years to go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks? The Rams have always played them tough. That shouldn't be a
1: surprise. Even Skip Bayless called this one. Well that's cause for concern. Yeah. Now, it's just it happens every year and and it'll happen in, in the weeks to come, but man, it was one week. There are many more weeks to go of this football season. Remember last year the Patriots started 0 2? Yeah. I think I was calling them toast. And they went on to win a Super Bowl, so yeah. what happens in week one is exciting. Um, you got to wonder though those teams that come out flat like the Vikings did or some some of those others. Yeah, how how do you I do that? How do you come out flat week one you paid you played through the preseason you basically endured the preseason to get to this point, and then you come out and land it. i man i i I don't know how that how that happens.
2: What's funny after week one is after week one, there are no okay teams. Every team is either great or awful. Depend, You know, the yeah. The no sky is
1: falling or we're on our way to the Super Bowl, right? get our plane tickets, Marge, we're on the way. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, the overreactions after week one, they're comical. Benson and those guys is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. So at the end of every show, we go around the room. Darren's not with us this week. This week, is just Zach and I. So we're going to give our Pest of the Week. My Pest of the Week, Zach, is... Got to be Pac-Man Jones. Adam Jones has gone back away. Pac-Man is back to pull the helmet off Amari Cooper the way he did and slam his head into that. Listen, how he's not suspended is beyond me. Mm -hmm. This is my pest of the week, Pac-Man Jones. I know he's fined $35,000, but what really frosts my fanny about that is the fact that what he comes out and says afterwards, just completely unrepentant about it almost implying, well, he did imply that this may happen again. Uh, Pac-Man Jones, my pest of the week. My pest of the week is
2: related. It's Roger Goodell because in addition to pac mac Jones slamming Amari Cooper's head, you also have Ndamukong kicking the helmet off of Alfred Morris while Alfred Morris is on the ground. In a league that's where concussions are so prevalent and such a front-line deal, concussions you got two incidents in the same week of somebody taking a shot at somebody's head neither one are suspended that's a joke roger goodell is is hiding out after the, the deflate gate debacle and it really showed this week
1: you mentioned the endomicon Sioux incident i i can't get a good look there i can't say for sure that he he kicked that helmet off i i I would agree, based on his reputation, based on past actions. But if I'm going to penalize somebody, I got to know for sure it happened. In the case of Adam Jones, it's very obvious; you can see it. And in Damakinsu, I I just can't see enough to penalize him convincingly. Though his reputation would certainly come into it. But you're right, Roger Goodell, for two incidents involving area of the head in a concussion league where well concussion aware league he deserves your pest of the week benson and those guys brought to you by town and country pest solutions you can visit our website btgprogram.com visit us on twitter at btg program for zach i'm benson this is benson and those guys